All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, a lovely Monday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show and at the Sports Theater TSN 1260, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where all the revenue stays right here in the province of Alberta. And a fantastic uh, sports weekend if you like entertainment. Of course, some uh, record breaking. Positive and negative things happening uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll get to uh, Nick Taylor's historic PGA Tour win. How about going 20 under on the last three days? Oh, 15 under on the last two. He was killing it. Uh, needed a 72-foot putt to win the tournament and uh, end the drought for a Canadian man to uh, win the uh, Canadian Open. Huge, quite the party, quite the celebration as it should be. We'll get into that. The uh, Edmonton Elks. So that was the the great part, uh, record breaking. While well, the the Elks extended their record, not a good one. Eighteen consecutive home losses for the Elks. Now, I know Chris Jones will try to tell you, oh, it doesn't matter. S- stop, stop. It doesn't matter. What are you talking about? You expect your fans to show up every game and walk out of the facility happy because their team lost and say, well, you know what, hey, let's just go to the game because, you know what, uh, they, they did some good things and they had some, you know, some feel-good moments in the crowd. Well, that's worth it. No, it's not how it works. Okay? You can't pretend the losing streak doesn't matter, especially 
when you lose that game in the fashion that you did. Your defense played very well. Special teams, no problem. Offense had one huge play. Geno Lewis, 102-yarder, so, you know, gets the excitement. The crowd's like, hey, I've seen a lot here today. Now you're down to the one-yard line. Late in the ball game, you're down by four. Your defense has had a huge pick. Right? You've turned the ball over. You're marching down, right down to the one-yard line. And you have three chances. And so on the first one, you don't even put a running back in to even disguise for a second. Quarterback sneak, nothing. No push from your O-line. Second time, quarterback sneak again. Probably worse than the first one. Now you, oh, okay, it's third time. And of course you're going to gamble. You had to. It makes sense to gamble there. You're going to bring in three receivers. Why? Here's the thing. The Edmonton Elks offense is not a proven commodity. What did I say, Connor Halley, a few weeks ago? What are they doing only playing three series with their number one unit? Like, what? Look look at how rusty their quarterback was. Think about it. Taylor Cornelius has had a grand total of three series in a month leading up to yesterday. He missed some throws. No question, it's on him. He missed some throws. The play calling at times, ridiculous. How many times did they try a quarterback sneak? How many? I'd say hardly any, based on what they saw. Because you don't really do it in practice a ton. You don't want guys smashing into each other. There is a game that you could have won. It was right there for you. Now, maybe Saskatchewan... You know what? So it's a tie game. If you score that touchdown, Saskatchewan ties it on the field goal. Then you go to overtime. Who knows what would happen? I'm not guaranteeing you win if you punch it in that end zone. But, man, you sure give yourself a much better chance. And then to say, oh, it's a stupid question to ask about it. What are you talking about, Chris Jones? Like, if we're going to sit here and be like, instead of the president and the head coach worrying about the media doing their jobs, how about do your job? Win a damn game at home. Simple. Don't try to deflect everything else. Oh, Chase, we've lost 18 in a row. But you can't you can't ask a question about that. No, no, no. You can't ask a question. That's a stupid question asking about the uh, short yardage. Oh, yeah. You're right, because that wasn't a significant play in the game. Not at all. Hey, what about the fact that you have a young quarterback, unproven, lots of new faces on offense, and you play three series in the preseason together? Heck, when Mike Riley was here, he used to play at least a half. So don't give me this garbage that it's, oh, you can't ask about it. Give me a break. So uh, the Elks, hey, you know what? Look in the mirror. you got to be better. And it's great that the fans came out. Great job. It's outstanding. Saskatchewan's in town. That plays a factor, although we know that last year when Saskatchewan was in town, they didn't have a big crowd. So kudos to the Green and Gold fans and wanting to come back out. Connecting with your fan base, excellent. But don't for a moment try to pretend that that stuff matters more than the result of the game. Because simply it doesn't. Fans don't expect you to win every game. Maybe just one in 18. I don't think that's asking for too much. And I'm sorry 
this organization to have any sort of arrogance like that is mind-blowingly tone-deaf. Mind-blowingly. You have won nothing since returning as head coach, Mr. Jones. Nothing. So when, when I look at the Elks, now you got BC, tough game. Hey, Cornelius, he's got to be better. There's no question about it. How many balls is he throwing at guy's feet? Not good enough. So when you know you have a quarterback who isn't that established, what the hell are you doing not playing him more? Hey, guys. I do have to read this text because it makes me laugh. Sense of humor is needed where jokes are allowed. Well, we'll talk about the Kevin Lowe roast in a second. Hey, Jason, it's 2023. Maybe Chris Jones identifies as a winner, and that's why he doesn't think it matters from Rod. You're allowed to have a sense of humor, Rod. I, I enjoy the laugh. It's good times. Good times. Hey, 32,000 fans? It's good attendance. Right? But guess what? If you want to keep it, you need to win some games. That was a game. Imagine had you won yesterday and you had the chance. You can't even punch a ball in one yard, three tries. Give me a break. I don't get it. Cons, you, uh, you're the football guy in the show. What did you, what did you make of the overall play by the green and gold? Yeah, overall, defense looked okay for the the most part. There was times, obviously, Saskatchewan made their plays. Uh, We have to talk about the offense, though, because that's the part that's going to frustrate us. Uh, You can say all you want about that game, how it went, but you had a chance with three plays to punch it in from the one-yard line. When you have a yard off the ball and you can't get the job done, I thought uh, the offense lacked creativity. You you talked about a Taylor Cornelius, uh, a couple balls thrown at feet, I thought a couple of those were due to pressure force. I think the offensive line has to be more uh, cohesive as a unit, be stronger, because, you know, Taylor Cornelius at times had to run for his life. The result is quite disappointing, because Taylor Cornelius threw for 200 yards. One of those came on one play, which was a fantastic play by Geno Lewis to go up, win a 50-50 ball. I think he said it's 90-10 when he's out there. He talked about the basketball skills on our show, Gregor. He showed it on that play, going up and getting it. But outside of that, like the offense, it had no momentum. It didn't do anything. That was a one big play. I think the only other real good drive that they had came off a Kevin Brown run where he showed great patience. To, to There was nothing in the middle. His offensive line gained of nothing, but he had patience, bounced it to the outside, rushed for 24 yards. Uh, they, it was kind of like they were lo- relying on splash chunk plays to, to get that offense going. And then on the flip side, you look at what Saskatchewan was doing with Trevor Harris. Uh, those out routes that they were running, kind of the seven, eight yard out routes, the Elks could not stop them. So maybe the Elks have to work on their timing plays like that. Uh, maybe make it a little bit easier for Taylor Cornelius. But overall, just just frustration. And I, I imagine it's going through the room right now, knowing you're so close and something you should be able to do. Punch the ball in from the one. Maybe just let Taylor Cornelius do it. The guy's six foot six. He's so long. He could fall over the offensive line and get in from that position. Uh, I thought maybe you might want to take a look at throwing it. I mean, if you know you're going to go for it on third down, maybe you take advantage of that massive end zone in the CFL and, and throw it up to one of these receivers you paid a lot of money to to come to your team. It just uh, frustration. And I, I thought they played overall. It was competitive. It was a close game. But when the game's on the line and you can't execute in a, such a simple play, 
extremely frustrating. And like you say, I, I'm happy to see that 32,000 fans went out there. How many were Rough Riders fans that won't be back in a couple of weeks? How many fans went to the game disappointed with that outcome? I hope they can keep those numbers high, but yeah, certainly a frustrating game. I know I was uh, a little frustrated with the way some of the things were handled. And even, you know, from a Rough Riders perspective there, Gregor, what was that play at the end, Trevor Harris? What's he doing taking a shot like that? Oh. He could have cracked some ribs. Like, it was just, it, it felt like a week one in the CFL. Like, I understand what they're doing there, right? They're just wasting time on the clock. But I'm like, why? Right? Like, why not just pr- bring your punter in and <laughs> booch it or something? Yeah, like, he took a hellacious hit. And, <clears throat> man, I'm telling you, in Saskatchewan, if he gets injured on that play, they're losing their minds. Oh, yeah. In Regina, losing their minds as they should be. But uh, I, I look at Edmonton and, like, trust me, that was a very winnable game. BC looked way better in week one. Now it's only one week, right? So we'll see uh, how they do. But the, the last thing this team needs is, you know, to, to get into a 04, 05 start to the season, right? Like that was a very winnable game yesterday, and they didn't get it done. Now you go to BC, they're playing pretty well. Then you've got the defending champs. In town. Now, we don't know how good they are. They haven't played yet. So, well, we'll find out this weekend. But you know, then you're, now you're in Ottawa. That maybe would seem like a winnable game, potentially. But I don't think any games, you know, a, like where Edmonton's a clear uh, favorite by any stretch. But after today, they got three of their next four on the road. So all I'm saying is that the opportunity to really change – the view around their organization, they completely stubbed their toe in multiple ways in that game. A lot of it from not playing your I don't I don't I disagreed with the Connor when we said it. First of all, your your home paying fans in a preseason game, you barely play your starters. Like, I just think at times out of touch. I'm sorry. Cornelius is not that proven of a player that you're like, ah, three series is good. It's not. So there we go. Guys, quarterback play was brutal. What's most concerning, he was reading of the routes, sitting in the West Stands. There were more than a handful of times he went to a completely covered receiver than the other ones open or breaking on the other side of the field or next level. Hey, 100%. He looked like he would get locked in, and that's all where he was going. There wasn't a lot of progression. So is there more if he's playing more? I have no idea. But we'll see. Hey, guys, uh, not only did Jones not play his starters in the preseason, then he has the nuts to throw Cornelius under bus by saying that's by far the worst game he's seen him play. That one comes from uh, Furballs. I don't, like, he wasn't very good. I think that's fair. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Cornelius, he would be the first one to admit that might have been his worst game. But find out why. Is it, like they had a bye, right? That was the other thing. So essentially you played two preseason games and a bye. So now, like, he, he barely played. I just, I never understood it at all. I like Now, the positive is their defense looked way better. Because remember, their defense was the worst defense in the league last year. So their secondary, I thought, was vastly improved. Their special teams, how can you complain? Punting good, field goals good, no issue there. Offense lost in the game. Play calling at times, like, on that short yardage, are you kidding me? Awful. So. McGregor, their defense gave up 135 yards rushing. They didn't play well either. Doug. Ah, see, Doug, I, I, I would disagree with that. I don't. 
I'm I'm okay. Look at how many points they gave up. Right? If if you have a bend but don't break, like you give up 17 points in a game, you should win. Anytime you're keeping the defense under under uh or sorry, keeping the offense under that, you should win all day long. So, I I don't I don't really have any any issues with the defense. Like, you know, some the other team's going to put up some yards every now and then. To me, I look at total points, uh, a little bit of bending, not breaking. I definitely the defense is not the one I'm going to come uh, and, and rip a bond. Very awesome. Hey, guys, comments from the organization after this game will have the same impact as the ones made by the board when they blame fans for the state of the organization after the poor performance when they change the name. By the way, I'm not blaming on the name change. Hey, guys, maybe it's a tactic by the coach and president to get us talking about them instead of the play. Might just be taking heat off the locker room. Again, um, here's the thing. No one should be talking about your present. Simple fact. Right? Um, having 32,000 fans, well, that's very nice. That used to be the low-end bar. So I, I wouldn't be pounding my chest for one game either after 32,000. Very quiet. Just go about and do your thing. That's uh, that's what I would say would be um, my thought process on that. Uh, coming up on the show, we got a loaded program for you. We will uh, hear from uh, Milt Stiegel. Knows a thing or two about big plays. Uh, Vic Lombardi will uh, join us. I think there's a really good chance the uh, championship of the NBA is going to be handed out in Denver tonight. And uh, Jamal Murray is having himself a final, as is the uh, the Joker. They both played very well. Uh, Tommy Gazzola will be by. Uh, Woodley, Ryan Rashog. Also, uh, we're going to get, I think Bob Herrick is going to join us, talk about golf. Uh, Aaron Fiaconi as uh, a former CFLer, also a current member of the uh, Edmonton Police Service. So it's perfect timing. We had this. We're talking a little bit of EPS, but we're also going to talk to the Aaron man about short yardage, man. Here on the O-line, you got three chances from the one. What did he see? Because I guarantee you, as a former O-lineman, snapping. He's just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's your bread and butter. That is your bread and butter as an O-lineman. You're like, look at the coach. He knows it's on us. Create the hole, and the quarterback just falls through. They didn't. And the thing was, they didn't even come close. Not even close. Struds will be by. Get uh, Struds on. Tell me I'm wrong and much more. In Edmonton Sports Theater, TSN 1260. It's a Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 220, Edmonton Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. As we get to the Chronicles now, brought to you by Action Electrical. To keep billing and growing as they celebrate their 50th year in business. They have purchased Big Hill Electrical out of Cochrane, providing service to all of Alberta. Go to actionelectrical.net. Uh, Tom Gazzola joins us. Uh, Tommy, quite the weekend. Yeah, NBA, NHL. We got uh, both uh, the Heat and the Panthers on the ropes, uh, likely going to end their uh, cup dreams this week. Uh, I think Vegas. And the Nuggets are both winning. That's not a real hot take. Bunny stretch of the imagination. Um, CFL kicked off. But I want to start with uh, Nick Taylor and an unbelievable Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He's 20 under on the last three days, 15 under on the last two days. And then I I think they put out that's the longest winning putt ever to win a PGA event. 72-footer. Amazing. 
So cool. Gregs, and I know that the, the tournament started off with Corey Connors charging out to the lead. He was five under after the first round. Hadwin put together a nice run. And then Taylor with this uh, monster charge. And, and listen, I was watching the Canadian Open as it was progressing Thursday, Friday to Saturday a little bit. And then yesterday I was at the Elks game, and I'm catching up on stuff on Twitter at halftime. And I'm looking at the the putt and the video of it, and I just looked at my dad. I'm like, you won't believe this. And he goes, what, what? I'm like, Nick Taylor buried a 72-footer to win the Canadian Open. And uh, it was just wild. And then, of course, the next thing I saw, Gregs, was uh, Hadwin getting absolutely rocked by security. Uh, so good. Like, so good. That was the, – the way that that week started – at Oakdale with the dark cloud of the PGA Tour live merger and and the players meeting with Jay Monahan and and everybody having to answer for all that to the Canadian guys coming through starting things off right like Connors did uh giving that glimmer of hope like Hadwin did and then Taylor progressing through with his steady charge and then having a monster Sunday like Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I know it took 69 years for a Canuck to win that thing, but talk about turning it uh, around in a complete 180 from the mood that we saw like Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even a little bit on Thursday. And then after, you know, Connor's got that good first round in. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. Great for Canadian golf. Uh, on the men's side, I know the women's side, well represented by Brooke, Brooke Henderson, but like just so cool. And, uh, the part that made me laugh, Gregs, I don't know if you caught it, but when Mike Weir was standing with Hadwin and they, they kind of, you know, uh, panned the camera to the Canadian PGA players that were waiting off the green in the playoff, and you could just see Mike Greer or Mike Weir dropping a holy S-bomb, uh, I thought that that summed it up nicely. Well, it was great to see. Like, I, you know, they're obviously they're close friends. Um, I think the Canadians, they've talked about it before. They wanted to win. Um, you know, like, obviously, you saw Mackenzie Hughes. They're obviously having a lot of fun with it, with not only Taylor winning, but Hadwin and Corey Connors. And they're a tight-knit group for sure. Um, you know, I think, like, for Nick Taylor, just the, the fashion that he wins is amazing. It's it's great to watch. It's great theater. There were so many good videos of it. But also, what about, the you know, the, they create, I think it's the 14th hole where, you know, like, it's a little bit more of a, of a party atmosphere, kind of like in Arizona. I think that's smart. I like it. And, and listen, I know that they have that the rink as well, right, on, on the tee box. Yeah. And, and they give, that's, that's pretty cool. You got people, like, standing over the boards. Uh, hitting the boards and stuff. Good. I mean, take a page from the Waste Management Open. Try to make it your own and uniquely and distinctly Canadian. I appreciate that. Like, listen, the other thing, too, is the the stadium hole at the Waste Management, that's its own thing. And you can't completely steal the idea, but you can do you can take some some elements of it and, and add a twist and add the Canadian and Canadianity to it. And I think it's it's a neat little thing. And I, I really do appreciate that even the PGA is starting to loosen up a little bit, untighten the collar, and, and you know, not going too overboard with it most of the time, but uh, embracing the fun element. And, and that's something that uh, golf is getting better at, and I appreciate it. And I like what the RBC Canadian Open did. Tom Gazzola joins us. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. The uh, Elks. Now, Chris Jones. I, I, hey, I get that the coach is frustrated. 
But Clayman's stupid question when you ask about the fact that you couldn't punch it in from the one-yard line three times and the fact that you've now lost and you continue to extend your record for 18 in a row, like, give me a break. Um, yeah. You know, the Elks, hey, they ruined an opportunity. They're right in that game. They, they had a chance. You know, their offense had struggled for the majority of the game, excluding the one great play by Geno Lewis. And to me, that all could have been erased. Yeah. All you got to do is yeah. punch it in one yard, Tommy. I, and then the third try, you bring in three receivers to do what exactly? Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't get a lot of it. To me, your offense, and that's just why I, I loathe when teams don't play their starters in preseason, yeah. at least a half, and I might have even more, especially because the the Elks had the weird schedule where they had a bye, right? Yeah. They basically played two games and then they're off. Uh, he played what three three series in a span of a month leading up to the home opener. Yeah, well, I mean Taylor Cornelius's numbers were reflective of that. Uh, I, that one play to Geno Lewis was basically half the yardage through the air that he put up. Uh, Thirteen for twenty-five, not good enough. And and there were moments. Okay, lots to unpack there. Let's let's start with Cornelius, obviously, because we're on that track. But uh, there were more moments in that first quarter, Gregs, where he would put his receivers in motion. And then they would be out of sync. There was, I think, two series or a couple of times on the one series where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you guys doing? And they had to reset. Luckily, they had enough time left on the, the play clock to, to get it going again and reset. But there was another moment as well where it was a pass, I believe, to Stephen Dunbar. And he rifled this thing right into Dunbar's like ankle. Or shit. And I almost heard, I thought Dunbar, like, because my seats are pretty close. I was like, did he just yelp because that hurt? Uh, it, it was, there was one thing, because I saw a lot of uh, Elks fans saying, hey, the play calling, brutal, this, that. And, and I understand that. Totally fair, right? Like, there was sloppiness. But then the execution as well, it was not there. So, sure, okay, you know, play calling, what are you guys doing? Absolutely, definitely needs to be questioned. But when the guys aren't executing, on those plays, that definitely needs to be under the gun as well because uh, so much of yesterday was poor execution as well. They were still in that game. I think the defense held up well. They were bad in second and medium and, and long situations. They got themselves into those spots on the offensive side of the thing, of the game. And, and uh, so it's frustration, but they still had that glimmer of hope. You know, the, a couple of nice picks by the defense. Uh, a frustrating loss. And then with Chris Jones saying, hey, that was, you know, dumb question or whatever. I, I was listening to his post game, And then he goes and he rattles off a really good answer, Gregs. And I don't know if in the moment he realized he was being a little bit over the top and too much or and, and so gave the, the great response that he did. But, like, completely valid question. It's been like 1,300 days since this team or franchise has won on home field. Fans want to see it. They showed up last night. And they were that close. And they almost got one late last year when it was garbage time of the season for them. They almost got it yesterday. And they imploded. So it was the same old story. And then the fans leave with a bitter taste in their mouth. So that question I thought was completely valid. The way he snapped off the top, unnecessary. And then he ended up giving a good answer. So, yes, everyone left that building frustrated. There was such a good vibe going into the the game. Will and the Wolf was fantastic. Uh, on the east side and uh, tall boy and everything going on on the west side in the parking lot leading up to the game was great. Just everybody was hungry for a win. You could just sense it. And I know that there's pressure for the team to get it done with the guaranteed win and the tickets and all of that. 
And, and they had it. It was there. It was in the palm of their hand. And A, yes, play calling. B, the execution was poor. And the result is a 17-13 loss. And we're going to go through all of this all over again when they come back and face the Argos in a couple of weeks. And then we'll see what they can do next week, or this week, pardon me, in Vancouver against the Lions. But uh, it was just too much shades of last year, and I think that, that that's what frustrated everybody, uh, players, coaches, fans certainly included. Tom Gazzola joins us, Hampton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Um, Tommy, what do, you, uh, what do you make of the Stanley Cup final as expected? Well, I mean, listen, great game by the Golden Knights and good charge and push late by the Panthers the other night, but I called it in five, Gregs. A lot of people were expecting it to go longer. It still has the possibility to do so. I feel, like you said off the top of uh, the Chronicles, that this thing is, is pretty much done, and I think it gets done tomorrow. Um, it's just the Golden Knights too deep, too much into a groove. Uh, their goaltender unexpectedly has come through in the clutch when they've needed him. And uh, the Cinderella run uh, is about to strike midnight for the Florida Panthers. So for some, as expected, I just felt like there was too much momentum going from a Golden Knights standpoint compared to what great work the Florida Panthers did to get here, knocking off two great teams, three great teams, quite frankly. Uh, but I just thought that the Golden Knights, the, such a well-oiled machine, uh, would have all the answers to whatever Florida would throw at them. And sure enough, they did. And Bobrovsky's been playing great, Greg. So, you know what? I think it gets done tomorrow. And, uh, you know, sometimes I get one right, and this might be one of those. Yeah, they just looked uh, too much better. What would you make of Petrangelo coming out of the penalty box? Do you think that will fall under the suspension category? Uh, I'm assuming I, I no. Don't, I'm assuming. I think we would have heard some noise about that by now. Um yeah, I mean, it got silly, and it was the Panthers that started the silliness, and I, I don't think anything comes of that. And again, I, we talked about last week with, with hits and this and that, and I don't really know what to expect from the Department of Player Safety anymore, quite frankly. It's like you, you put a target up there and throw a dart and see what it lands on sometimes with them. So I don't think so, but who knows, man. George Peros and that crew, it's just like, oh, okay, that's what you guys are going to do? I guess I wouldn't have seen it that way, but here we are. So I don't think so, though. Ultimately, a few other things uh, to discuss. The um, well, the Edmonton Singers. Did you happen? I know you've been to a few Singers games this year. Uh, beer for a year, half court shot, yeah. <laughs> nailed it. Yes, I saw that. I saw that on the Stingers social media. A great crowd. At uh, the hangar, uh, with the hive, whatever you want to call it. I know, you know, corporate sponsorship, Flair Airlines hangar. Uh, that is awesome. And it reminds me of uh, semi-pro when, what's his name, uh, Deuce or whatever, that, that hippie, he drains the, the shot and they had to get free corn dogs for everybody in the building. Uh, they had to present him a check as well, I think it was. Uh, that's awesome. Like, free beer for a year, Greg's. A lot of parties, a lot of gatherings, and... Uh, uh, probably a lot of invites uh, after winning that by all uh, all your friends if you pull that off. So I love it. They've they've done a great job of building up the hype, Gregs, and them they've tied in with the Elks as well as the Riverhawks, which uh, debut at home uh, tomorrow. It, it, it's tomorrow the home opener. Uh, really good vibe around these teams, and I like that they're working together because uh, it's gotten the community going and uh, highly entertaining. Stinger's a great product to go and check out, absolutely. 
Now, I want to ask about, uh, I wrote an article today at Orders Nation uh, in regards to bargain bin shopping. And we have seen over the last three summers that teams, much more than ever before, have opted not to qualify some RFAs because they were concerned that they would then file for arbitration and could get a significant bump from an arbitrator. So they opted to go and just say, no, we're not qualifying you. Some teams re-sign guys like Brett Howden in Vegas, for instance. Others, Carter Verhage leaves Tampa Bay, signs in Florida, only for a million bucks, but turns that into an you know, two years, then turns that into a three-year deal, and he's been crushing it, scored 42 goals this past season. Here are some players, like we know for sure, Mackenzie Blackwood needs to be qualified at 4.125, Pugliarvi at 3 million, Gurionov at 2.9. Those guys aren't getting qualified. Lock and load, they're going to be free agents. Um, I don't think Edmonton has any interest in in any of those three. Um, then you look at guys, Ross Colton in Tampa Bay. Now, I think Tampa, I don't think he's going to, be an RFA, well, I shouldn't say, I don't think he'll be an RFA of Tampa by mm-hmm. June 30th because I think they're going to trade him they, because they don't want to just lose him for nothing and they can't afford to qualify him because he scored 16 goals uh, this season and 32 points after scoring 22 goals and 39 last year. He's getting a big bump. He's up to like from 1.125. He's going to be like three times as much, maybe more, right? He's probably three and a half to four million bucks is where he comes in. Um, you know, that'd be an interesting player for me. Um, I'm curious about Maxime Comtois in Anaheim, who needs to be qualified at 2.55 million. He scored six goals this year. He scored nine goals the year before. Right now, he's missed some games, 52 and 64, but he hasn't. He's been a shadow of the player that they signed when he scored. He kind of looked like it was a breakout year when he had 16, 17, and 33 back in uh, 2021, and hasn't come close. Um, the one guy to me, though, Tom, there's another Tyson Yost and Christian Fisher and Dennis Mulgan, but Trent Frederick is the player. Now, I think I know Boston loves him, right? But Trent Frederick scored 17 goals, 31 points. He's tough as nails. He only has to be qualified at 1.15 mil, which would be easy, but you know he's probably going to get three times as much, and they don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, I'm fascinated to see some of these guys either get traded or how many will become free agents because teams are just they're kind of scared of the arbitration process in a flat cap. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then uh, I, I'm thinking too, Greg, that we've talked about with the flat cap and how it froze and uh, what what COVID did those those three seasons to the the middle ground in the NHL in terms of the the middle money men uh, that are kind of in the heart of their careers and to kind of squeeze them out. So all of a sudden now we're starting to see the ripple effect of that. Uh, we'll see which teams value these guys, which teams have the cap space to make it happen. I know people here are probably wondering if the Oilers can make it happen. Uh, from what I've heard, I'm sure you've talked to a bunch of people like you always do. Unlikely. Um, but, yeah, let's see what happens. Like I think for if you bring it back to Everton, more reasonable – uh, one name that I brought up was like Tomas Nosek and, and guys like that. Uh, the Oilers will try to bring back as many guys as they can from last year. But um, this is, I think, Greg's this whole discussion, part of uh, the, the ripple effect of what's happened in the NHL and the effect COVID has had on the uh, financial side of things. So let's see where guys end up. Uh, good on them for putting themselves into these situations. It's also interesting to watch restricted free agents dictate the course of, of their future in the league as well, uh, the high-end guys. And, and we're watching that 
kind of play out as well and with some big name guys in in Canadian markets. So it's a squirrely time in, in hockey when it comes to that and let's see where the chips fall. Tommy, have yourself a wonderful Monday. We will uh, uh oh yeah, before we let you go, what'd you think of the uh, Kevin Lowe roast on Friday night? Uh great job by the MC, I will say. Nicely done, Greg's. Uh smooth, razor sharp tongue. Some good jabs in there, and uh, an absolutely tremendous event in support of kids' sport. Uh, Damon Hyman, Hyma, uh, Hyman and her group does a fantastic job, and that was a top-tier event with a, a lot of great people. Kevin was gracious in getting roasted. Uh, I wanted to confront uh, Terry Ryan about the perm, but Greg's, I let it go. I let it go. And uh, overall, a lot of money raised for an absolutely tremendous and worthy cause over at kids' sport. Tommy, great stuff, my man. Have a good uh, night. The Nuggets, I think, are going to uh, win the NBA title tonight. It's over. I always like watching championship celebrations, so I'll be checking that out tonight. Have a good one. See you, Greg's. There you go. That is Tom Gazzola in the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. Quick break. When we return, Milt Stiegel on the Elks. Week one in the CFL. And why would you bring in three receivers on the third attempt of short yardage? We'll find out. Uh, we'll ask Milt. Was he ever in on those situations, and what's the plan? Next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Rolling through busy Monday afternoon. Welcome back to The Gregor Show. It's always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. You can get involved in the show. You can text us at 101260. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor. TSN1260.ca. As we get to the uh, CFL report, brought to you by All Tech Supply, the only Canadian-owned Valve Master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com. Strength through distribution. And uh, week one in the uh, CFL is come and gone. And really, I kind of like the fact that there's one game every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, for the first few weeks. So uh, if you're a fan and you feel like, man, I want to watch all the games, uh, you definitely have that option. Uh, This coming week, Calgary's in Ottawa Thursday, Winnipeg in Saskatchewan on Friday, Edmonton on the road in B.C. Saturday, that's 5 o'clock Edmonton time. And then uh, Sunday will be Hamilton-Toronto. What I'm liking about it is that, you know, they used to always have the doubleheader on Friday night, and the second game was so late. I really thought, you know, 8 o'clock starts just aren't great for a lot of people with younger kids. So, actually, I uh, think for early on in the season, I like it. Later on, you're probably going to have to uh, change it up. Uh, they're not going to go all four days. I get it, but I uh, I quite like it. The, uh, the, the only issue right now is the fact that uh, here we are. It's June 12th. It's a Monday. You just finished the... Uh, Week one of your season, and if you go to the CFL website, their stats page is not working. It's just kind of like what? So, and it's not um, it's not ideal. You can you know you can go to individual PDF, but if you want to try to get league wide stats, they're not available right now. And I just I, I don't I don't understand how in 2023 that's plausible. If if you would say, hey, you know what, our site crashed. Okay. The site's up. They don't have this prepared. It is uh it is not ideal at all. So if you other uh, we'll track down uh Mill Steele's having a little bit of phone issue, so we'll get to him uh momentarily. I want to get to this uh text. 
Hey, guys, there's no reason for the media to keep piling on about the losing streak. It's rhetorical. We know about it. Every fan does. Media continue to ask looking for sounds bites. are ridiculous. Did anybody even talk about the losing streak leading up to the season? Honestly. Was it mentioned once? Not on our show. Was it mentioned once? To think you can't ask about setting a horrific record? That's a fact, man. They've lost 18 in a row. To pretend that you should never ask about it, it's delusional. I'm sorry. It's flat out delusional. Like, you can't even defend that. I'm sorry. It, it, of course you It wasn't hammered on five or six questions. It has to be asked. 18 in a row. And this one might sting the most because they had a chance uh, to win it. Uh, Milt Stiegel, uh joins us. Milt, you played a long time. The uh, the Elks, uh, obviously they didn't get very good quarterback play in that game uh, at all. Uh, their defense, I think, will be happy. Uh, they limit the team to 17. They're, they're punting and field goal kicking's fine. But offense wasn't very good. But even despite all that, you're down the final, what, six, five, six minutes of the game. You're on the first and goal from the one-yard line. A yard off the ball are the Riders' defense, and on three tries you can't get a yard. Like, I don't understand it, Milt. Explain it to me. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I mentioned this on the panel in our post-game show that I'm, if I'm an offensive lineman, I, I don't want to show my face. And I know it, that, that those plays, you know, you don't want to put it all those plays that determine the outcome of the game. But that, that would have put them in a great position to win that game, something that hadn't happened at home uh, never as an L. And the fact that they couldn't get it in, as you just alluded to, when the defense is a yard off the ball, you know, you, you got to question yourself, like, hold on, guys, what's going on here? So it's unfortunate. And I heard you guys talking about Chris Jones not wanting to talk about it, but he's part of it. I mean, 10 of those games, he was the head coach, if I'm correct, nine last year and one this year, he's part of it. So when you're part of it, you're going to be asked about it. So it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of the business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, the so they the first time they run it, as a guy who's played a lot, so they take out the running back. They're not even an option that you're going to have. So they line it up, and okay, I understand that. But then on the third try, Milt, they brought in three receivers. Now, you played as a receiver. In that, I'm kind of like, what's the point to have three receivers when you're just going to run the ball again? Without a doubt. you got to put some bigger bodies in there. If you really watch that play uh, – First of all, receivers, we don't want to block DBs, but let alone you want to put us in there to block some bigger guys and the tights. No. If you're going to put them in there, move them out wide. At least try to fool them. You know, so all around, that's just that was a bad look for the Elks when they had a great opportunity right in front of them. And as I mentioned, I know Chris Jones talked about this. That wasn't the only reason why they lost. But when you're put in that position, the way you were playing that entire game, and now you're in a position to put yourself – in the position to win it, and you don't capitalize, that's what people are going to talk about. They're not going to talk about all the other stuff. They're going to talk about that because that was ugly. Everything about it was ugly. Mill Stiegel joins us. When you look at the quarterback play, and, and Chris Jones, hey, that was the one thing he answered, honestly, felt like for T- Taylor Cornelius, that was the worst game he's seen him play. And, like, he threw a lot of balls at guys' feet and in their hands, uh, you know, behind them. It wasn't a very good uh, showing by him, right? Basically 100 yards the whole game except for one play to Geno Lewis when he had 100 yards. So what did you see? Why was he out of sync? Uh, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks. What looked off for him? You, you know what? I've never played the quarterback position, but it's just, it's like he was just pressing. Uh, 
I, I don't know if he's been, and I don't think he's that type of person, has been reading the clippings. You know, we all been pumping him up saying this was going to be his year, and I don't know if the pressure got to him or what, but he was just off on a lot of his throws, and we've seen him make those throws in the past. You know, that's why we've been talking about, like, this was going to be his year. This is his third year in the league, you know. Uh, he has athleticism. We've seen his mobility. We've seen his strong arm. We've seen everything. So we were thinking this, this was going to be the year. And it's just one game. So let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But the fact that you came out and you played like that, you know, th- th- that's not a good look. But as I just alluded to, it's just the first game. So he has he has time. But when you've been losing the way they've been losing, you can't just keep saying that, okay, yeah, it's just the second game. It's just the third game. Eventually you got to say, okay, we, we got to do something. Because if I keep losing as a head coach, I won't be the head coach much longer. And here's the thing about it, and I questioned it after the preseason, so it's not uh, all hindsight. Uh, the Elks played two preseason games, and they had the bye, if you want to call it. They didn't have the, the final week of uh, – they didn't have a game. Taylor Cornelius played a grand total of three series in their second home game, and that was it. So basically for a month, Milt, outside of practice – He's playing three series, and I don't know if Rust or what have you, but he it's not like it was you know Mike Riley or you know Ricky Ray or Zach Caleros, guys who've been proven you know and they're like, okay, I don't need to play very much. This guy's very unproven. I didn't understand why they didn't get more time for the offense to try to get in sync even in preseason. Yeah, and I know a lot of coaches, and I know they did this with with Bo and, and Hamilton. They're saying you know we don't want to get him hurt. Well. Your team is hurt now because your your starting quarterback is not in sync, and I I, I don't understand it. Uh, and even if if it's Zach or if it's Michael Riley, I'm I'm still gonna play him a decent amount. I don't I'm not thinking about them getting hurt. They can get hurt anytime. If that's on my mind, I shouldn't be a head coach. And I don't know if that was why Chris Jones didn't play much, but he should have played a lot. You know, he he's not uh, a super vet, and he needs all the reps that he can get. And is that the reason why he didn't play? I, I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, they need to get it resolved because, you know, people are going to stop saying, okay, uh, we're, 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 they're going to stop giving Chris Jones a bunch of time to get things together. I, I know that much. So they, they, they need to get this situation resolved sooner than later. Do you like the play calling? And he's been an offensive coordinator for many years of McAdoo. Uh. It's it, it's hard for me to determine that. I, I mean, because I, I I don't know the uh, what they're dealing with. I haven't really you know broke down their offensive line. I know they're they are struggling. So when your offensive line is struggling, that definitely can change up your game plan in a matter of seconds. When you're you know you want to run the ball because they got a legit great running back and he didn't get many touches, especially in the first half. But if your offensive line is struggling, if they're not playing well, you have to change things up. So. I don't know exactly uh, why they design things the way they design things, but I know having an offensive line that's not playing well can definitely change up your game plan quickly. I know that's fair. And I just, but it's been, you know, it's been that way for lots of teams. For like, I just, I just think he's too passive in the CFL now, and I've never really liked the play calling of, of McAdoo, regardless of who he has as players. And I think play calling really impacts the talent. Obviously, the talent you have can impact what you're going to call. No, no question. But at some point, then you got to be able to play call for your team and and be like, hey, like clearly Taylor Cornelius couldn't throw a five yard pass yesterday. 
So make right. them more jump balls, right. right? You know what I mean? Like try something different. They, they just continually seem to keep doing the same thing that for whatever reason their quarterback couldn't execute yesterday. So I was surprised they didn't go away from it and try some other play calls. Yeah, and, and, and it's difficult, and I've, I've never been in that position, so it, it's hard for me to critique them in the fashion that I would enjoy critiquing them in because I just don't know what was the design going into the game. Now, sometimes we can tell, okay, why is he calling this play? But you could see that that offensive line was struggling. They were struggling. And did he have to change up his game plan because of that? You know, and, and sometimes that happened. I've been in games where – we were going in and we say we we're going to run the ball, you know, 40% of the time, and we end up running it 5% of the time or vice versa. Those things happen. So it's hard for me to critique him because I, didn't, I don't know ex- exactly what his game plan was going into that game. When you go in with the game plan, Milt, and it's not working, do you find, and even when you're a player, do you find that sometimes you go away from it too quickly? Like, how is the fine line to know, okay, we got to go away from it, or we got to have confidence and stick with what we plan on doing? A lot of that is determined by what the score is. <laughs> if, if things are, aren't out of hand, if you're still in the game, you, you, you give it more time than if things were out of hand, or you say, okay, we got to do something. We're desperate now. But if things are still in hand, you, you're going to try it as much as you can, because that's what you practice all week long. But you yes. practice all week long, no certain plays, and if you try to – change it right now, and now guys are thinking like, okay, what's going on now? We didn't practice this. So you try to stick with it as much as you can. Now, if it's not working and things get out of hand, you have nothing to lose. you got to change things up. So it's all determined by the flow of the game, the score of the game, and exactly what's going on and, and, and what part of the game that you're in if you decide to change up your game plan if it's not working. Quickly, to the other three games this uh, weekend, which team or some individuals that really impressed you? Vernon Adams. I like what I saw out of Vernon Adams. I mean, I could talk about the Bombers all day, but I think everyone is expecting them to do what they're doing, you know. No need to talk about that. But I, I like Vernon Adams. I like him. I, I think he's uh, – and I know it's just one game. Just I said it's just like one game for Edmonton. But, you know, he, he's finally – I think he's fitting that mold that everyone's been talking about for years. You know, we saw it in 2019, and we haven't seen it since then. But – the way he went out there and, and, and played was impressive. And just on the flip end, disappointed in Jake Mayer. Like, what, what happened to yeah. him? Is it too much pressure? You know, some people are saying, is he, did he, did he, is he not in shape? You know, what's going on with that? So, as, we, as I just alluded to, it's just one game. So, let, let's pump our brakes and, and, and see what happens in the coming weeks. Milt, great stuff, man. Appreciate your time. Have a great week. Uh, you guys do the same. Thanks for having me. Take care. Uh, Milt Stiegel, CFL Report, brought to you by All Tech Supply. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley in a Sports Center update brought to you by MC Dispatch. Same day courier company. They'll move any size package promptly and efficiently. You've got bike messers all the way up to 53 foot trailers. Go to mcdispatch.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 